This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. I'm in debt. I have two car payments, four years into a 30-year mortgage, balances on a couple credit cards, plus college for three kids on the horizon, zero savings. I work long hours at a job that I hate, and despite all that, all I get is stress about how I can make more money. I take four pills at night for my back pain. Some days, getting up seems like too much. I struggle with dyslexia. I have high cholesterol. I overeat a little too often. I'm trying to get in shape, but it's never, I mean never enough. My dad died five years ago from cancer. I should have seen him more before he passed. Man, I miss him so much. Everyone expects me to be over it, but it's something that I still deal with daily. I haven't taken my wife on a date in four months. I practically forgot our anniversary. My kids need me when I get home, but it's late. I want to sleep. I spend my weekends at their functions, as if that's enough. All this, and I still resent my family, because I have no time just for me. I can be amazingly selfish. I'm often angry, seemingly, for no reason. I struggle with lustful thoughts, none of which my wife understands. Nor do I, for that matter. I'm good at some things, I'm great at nothing. I had dreams for my work and my family, and I abandoned them long ago. I think I'm a realist, and I come off as a pessimist. I feel restless knowing something is missing. I have too many burdens. They're suffocating. And this is the weight I carry. Good morning. Or maybe it's not a good morning for you. You know, that can be a tough question sometimes. You know, we have our pat answers. I'm good. Everything's A-OK. The family? Great. The wife? Ah, you know. Work? Couldn't be better. My relationship with God, plugging away, praise hallelujah, peace, joy, not so much, hope, love, how are you doing this morning? Good news in tough times, difficult times, painful times. Hurtful times, lonely times, confusing times. There was a popular bumper sticker a few years back. Maybe you remember it. Life's a bitch, and then you die. Remember that? Very cynical. Let's be honest. There's more truth in that sometimes in the situations that we're facing in our life than we like to admit. Right? At at times, life can not only seem hard, it can be very, very hard. It can seem very unfair with what we face, what we deal with. Good news in tough times. You know, sitting in this room 
this morning. We have people who are losing their homes. There are people who are chronically sick. People who've lost loved ones or whose loved ones are dying. Got moms and dads who are getting divorced. Got children who have run away. We've got loved ones who are addicted. Got people who are depressed. Men and women who've lost their jobs. There's people who are so consumed with guilt and shame because of the secrets in their lives. Friends, we are living in tough times. I don't think I need to convince you of that fact. But sometimes when we go out into public, oftentimes when we show up at church, we put on a facade and we pretend like everything's all right. Let me ask you this. Is it unspiritual to be suffering? Is it non-Christian to be going through a hard patch in your life? Sometimes I think we think that it is. Sometimes I think that we think, if I really loved God, then I wouldn't be having such a hard go of it. If, if I really loved God, then I wouldn't be struggling. If I really loved God things would be going much better in my life than they are right now. Maybe we look at it this way. If God really loved me, then I wouldn't be going through this. If God really loved me, then this wouldn't be happening to me. If God really loved me, then I wouldn't be hurting like I'm hurting right now. If God really loved me, dot, 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 fill in the blank. Do you ever just wonder why life is so hard? Why there's so much suffering and and difficulty? You ever ask yourself, what does God want us to do in the face of all this pain? Maybe wonder... God, how are we supposed to respond to such difficult times that we face in this life? Well, that's the question I'd like to look at with you today. This morning as we, as we talked, if I have not met you yet, or if this is your first time here, my name is Bob. I'm one of the pastors here at New Life. And over the next 25 minutes or so, I want us to try to get God's perspective on life. I want us to try to understand God's perspective on suffering and disappointment and discouragement that we face in our lives. As we do that, we're going to be looking at one of the books in the Bible, the book written by Peter. Peter actually wrote two books, letters really. Peter was one of Jesus' disciples and after Jesus was killed, he penned these two letters. We're going to be looking at the first book, First Peter, in the very first chapter, and specifically, we're just going to be looking at some of the sentences in there from verses 6 to 9. But we, before we do that, I want to do a little recap of the first five verses, the, the verses we went over for the last two weeks. 
And to do that, I want to do two things. First, I want to invite you, if you haven't taken out your New Life notes, to do that. That way you can follow along with the the scriptures. You can take some notes if you'd like to do that. And secondly, I'd like to dismiss the junior hires who I think we forgot to dismiss. There is a class for you. If you'd like to uh, go to the junior high class, if you didn't get out of here, please feel free to do that if you'd like to attend that. So let's do our review. And this is from 1 Peter, and this is kind of the abridged version. Peter writes, this letter is from Peter. I am writing to God's chosen people. That includes you and I. He says, I am writing to God's chosen people. God the Father knew you and he chose you long ago. And his spirit has made you holy. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again. Now we live with great anticipation and have a priceless inheritance. An inheritance that is kept in heaven. Through your faith, God is protecting you until you receive the salvation which is ready to be revealed on the last day. So that's how Peter starts off his letter. He starts off by writing some good news. And it brings us to our first key understandings. This is the good news, how Peter starts out his letter. He says, God knows who you are. You are chosen. God knows you. You're his child. And then he moves on to a second point. And it's God knows what you need. God knows what you need in your life. You need to be holy. You need to be forgiven to become holy. So that's the beginning of Peter's premise is God knows who you are and that you need to be in relationship with God so that you could be made holy and be forgiven. And then on those two principles, on those first two facts, that you're his child and that you're forgiven, he says you will spend eternity with him in heaven. That's your inheritance, to spend eternity with God in heaven as you have a relationship with him by faith. And he goes on to say, and God will watch over and protect you all the days of your life. That's how he starts off his letter. Would you say that's good news? It's great news. He says, you are God's child. Good news. You are forgiven in the midst of tough times. Good news. God is watching over and protecting you. You will spend eternity with Christ. He packed a lot into those first five verses. So where does he go from there? How does he move on from this encouragement that he's giving, this good news? Well, he starts off in verse 6, where we'll be picking up today. He says this, So be truly glad. Why be truly glad? Because of those promises, right? Be truly glad that you're God's child. Be truly glad that you're forgiven, that he's watching over you. Be truly glad that you will spend eternity with him in heaven. He says, there is wonderful joy ahead for you. And then he says, even though you have to endure many trials for a little while. Thanks, Pete. I kind of wish he had stopped right at the end of, it's a wonder, there's wonderful joy ahead. Why did he have to include that part about many trials? 
that are ahead. Well, he included it because of the very simple fact that in this life, we will have many trials. In this life, we will have many difficulties. In this life, we will suffer many setbacks. It's the reality of living in a fallen world. It's the reality that even though we are forgiven, the choices that we've made, the behaviors that we engage in, the hurts that we have caused, the attitudes that we hold to, the unforgiveness that we harbor, they all have consequences. And those consequences and the consequences of other people's behaviors and attitudes are the cause of the tribals, troubles, the cause of the trials that we will face in this life. Here's the bottom line. In this life, you are going to have many trials. Everybody say, thanks for the encouraging words, Bob. All the Sundays you could have picked to come to church. In this life, you are going to have many trials. All of us. And when we face these trials, when we encounter these trials, one of two things is going to happen. They're either going to draw us closer to God. They're going to cause us to lean on His promises and engage with God. Or they're going to cause us to stop trusting God. When we encounter the difficulties in our life, we're either going to hold on to the promise that we're his child, that we're loved and that we're forgiven and that he's with us and that he has an eternity planned for us or we're going to begin to pull away and disengage from God. Really only two choices. It's going to draw us closer to God or we're going to draw away from God. We're going to see in a moment, Peter's going to go on in verse 7. And he's going to say these trials, these difficulties that we face, they're going to prove one way, and one way or another if your faith is genuine. It's going to prove if the faith that you claim, if it's real. It's going to prove if your faith has any substance to it. Listen to how Peter puts it. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire is tested and purifies gold, as fire tests and purifies gold. Through your faith, though, sorry, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You know, when I used to look at this verse, I totally had it wrong. I misunderstood the point that Peter was trying to make. I thought it meant God was going to 
cause or let these difficult times come into my life to see if my faith was real. See, God was going to let me go through trials to to see if I was going to trust him or not, to see if I was going to pass the test or to see if I was going to fail. But now I realize I had it all wrong. See, God was not doling out tests to see if we're A students or B students or somewhere in between. These tests that we encounter in life, these trials that we face, the heartaches, the disappointments, the hurts, they're just part of life. They're not sent by God. They're sent by life. Does that make sense? It's part of living in a fallen, broken world. As the old saying goes, that which doesn't kill us makes us stronger. Every difficulty, every struggle that that you and I face has the potential to drive us either closer to God and His promises or to move us away. Fire will either prove and purify gold or it will consume and destroy what we often call fool's gold, right? Fake gold. Counterfeit gold. Fire will either prove it or it will destroy it. So how do we know? How do you know? How do I know that our faith is genuine? That it's not counterfeit? That it has substance? It's actually pretty easy. Watch and see how you respond to the pressures of life. Watch and see how you respond to the disappointments that you encounter, to the unexpected circumstances that you run into. How do you respond to loss? How do you respond to discouragement? How do you respond to the unknown? How do you respond to hurts? Do they move you closer to God? Or do they cause you to pull back from God, to disengage from Him? When you're faced with difficulties, do you choose trust or resentment? Forgiveness towards others or bitterness? Hope or despair? Thankfulness or anger? Generosity or selfishness? Love or feeling sorry for yourself? You see, friends, these, t- these tests, they don't show God where our heart and our faith really are at. He already knows. They show us. They show us where our faith is at, if it's real or not. Our response to our circumstances in life show us if our love for God is genuine or if it's just a show, if it's heart deep or if it's just superficial. In the book of Hebrews, one of the other 
books in the New Testament. It tells us that without faith, without trust, not just in the good times, but in the midst of the most difficult times, without faith, it's impossible to have a real relationship with God. Without faith, without trust, it's impossible to have a real relationship with God. Without genuine faith, faith, we will get blown out of the water when the tough times come. Joy, God's joy, God's peace will be conspicuously absent from our lives. So then, how do we develop? How do we grow and receive faith into our life? How do we receive genuine faith? How do we develop genuine faith? Faith that will allow us to hold on to God and to hold on to God's promises even when we're smacked upside the head with the difficulties of life. I'd like to share with you this morning four life choices. Four life choices that if you work them into your life, they will establish and build faith into your life. And they're based on the single premise from Romans 10, 17. Faith comes from hearing. That is, hearing the good news about Christ. How do we get genuine faith? Faith comes by hearing. Hearing what? The good news about Christ. Life choice number one. Spend time every day connecting with God. Life choice number one. To grow and to develop faith in your life. Genuine faith. Lasting faith. Real faith. Substantial faith. Is to spend time every day. Simply connecting with God. How do we connect with God? First through prayer. And I'm not talking about big, complicated, elaborate prayers of an hour. I'm talking about simply talking with God. Maybe finding a place on your sofa and stilling your hearts and closing your eyes and just saying, God, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you, and I thank you for today. Jesus, would you help me get through today and to rely on you? Jesus, would you help me to know that I'm your child, that you're with me and that you're watching over me? Jesus, I love you. Every day, take some time to connect with God through prayer. Connect with God through reading the Bible. You don't have to become a Bible scholar. Just sit with your Bible. Maybe read the life story of Jesus in one of the Gospels or some of these letters that we're talking about. Sit down and say just a couple verses and say, Jesus, will you help me to understand what these verses mean? Will you help me apply them to my life and to to relate to people in the context of how you encourage us to love people and care for people? Spend time getting to know God's Word every day. Do something selfless 
for another. Each day is a great way to connect with God. Life choice number two. Make church a priority. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing what? The good news about Christ. Friends, let me tell you, the primary purpose of church is to hear the good news about Christ, to experience the good news about Christ. Life choice number two is to make church a priority. Make Sunday morning attendance a regular part of your routine. Make it a regular part of your routine, not just a sporadic occurrence. Make it the rule, not the exception. Move it maybe to a first priority as opposed to second or third priority. Hebrews 10 says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of His return is drawing near. To build genuine faith in your life. Life choice number two, make church a priority. Life choice number three, connect with a life group. Join a small group within the church that meets throughout the week so that you can grow in your relationship with Christ by being encouraged and being supported by other people. Come together where you can study God's word, where you can learn about his principles. Get together with a group of people whom, with, with whom you share common values, and life goals. It will grow your faith to get connected into a life group and share life with other people. First Thessalonians says, so encourage one another and build each other up. There's no better place that that can happen than in a life group. That's what small groups are for, about encouraging each other and building one another up. Life choice number four. To grow genuine faith in your life is serve. Get involved with a project. Get involved with a ministry that helps other people connect with God so that they can experience the promises of God, so that they can know the, 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 the promises so that when they encounter difficult times, they will be encouraged and they will be strengthened. James 2. So we talk about developing faith. It says, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? You see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and it is useless. How foolish! Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Serve, love, care for others. Life choice, number four. So there you have it, four life choices to help you develop faith in your life, to grow faith in your life so that when the difficult times hit, you will know that your life, your faith rather, is genuine, guaranteed, not because I say so, but, but that because that's the plan that God laid out in His Word.
You know, friends, we never know when difficult times are going to hit. We never know. We don't have a crystal ball. All that we know is that they will. And all too often, we wait until we find ourselves in the midst of the battle. Right? All of a sudden, we experience a sudden loss or an illness or a depression before we realize that we really need some support, that we need more faith to make it through the situation that we're encountering, that we need more faith to hold on to the promises of God that we're His child, that we're loved by Him, that we're forgiven by Him, that He's with us and that we're going to spend eternity with Him. We wait too long and we don't realize that Sometimes until it's too late that we have the need for the love of our church family and the encouragement of our life group if we're going to make it through. But unfortunately, sometimes, oftentimes, it's then too late because we didn't sow into those relationships when we could have. We didn't build up our faith when we had the opportunity. And now, in the midst of our struggle, alone with our pain, oftentimes we withdraw, we close off to others, or we lash out. The tough times hit and we have no strength to hold on to or focus on the good news that is crucial if we're going to survive the trial with our faith intact. You see, having not nurtured it, having not made it a first priority in our life, we only have little faith or no faith to trust in God during the tough times. But when we invest, but when we have invested and taken time to connect with God, when we're investing in our spiritual growth by making church a priority, by getting involved in relationships built in a life group, when we have a sense sense of purpose in our life through doing ministries, then when the times come, because we know they will, our faith is going to remain strong. I believe that's why Peter declares at the end of verse 7 that we read, on that day when we meet with Christ, there will be much cause for praise. On the day we meet with Christ, as we have remained faithful, there will be cause for great praise. Why? Because that will be the day, friends, And he says, well done. That will be the day when he looks at you and says, well done. Well done, my good, my faithful child. He will speak it from his lips into the very core of your being. Well done. Well done. Peter goes on in the next verse and he says, you love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. 
the reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your soul. Boy, at times, Christ can be so hard to see. It can be so hard to believe sometimes that Christ is at work in our lives. Difficulties, trials, pain, they are so tangible. But God can often feel so distant. It can be so hard to hold on to faith during those times. The times of trials, the times of loss, the times of struggle. And I think Peter, knowing this, I think that's why he includes that last, that last sentence there. Just to reemphasize and to remind us, the reward for trusting in him will be the salvation of your soul. See, there's no better news to know when you're going through a tough time, when you've hit a hard patch, that regardless of what you're going through, regardless of what you may have encountered in the past, regardless of what you may be experiencing right now, independent of what life throws at you, the reward for trusting Christ, the reward for staying in relationship with Jesus throughout it will be the salvation of your soul and eternity with Him. You are loved. You are loved in the midst of the struggle and God's promise is he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Listen to this promise from the book of Romans. It says, yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Namely, those who have remained faithful. Those who have stayed engaged and connected with God throughout all the circumstances of life. 2 Corinthians says this, That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirit is being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and they won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things we can, that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. The reward for trusting in Christ will be the salvation of your soul. That's the good news. That's the good news when we're being tested. That's the good news when we encounter difficult times. One of the things that we do here every Sunday is we take communion together. And we take communion together to remind ourselves of who it is that we have believed in. 
to remind ourselves of the love and the sacrifice and the promises that God has given us. We take communion as a time to focus on Christ so that we don't lose heart, so that we don't give up, that we can get our priorities back into order. Our clothing thought is a scripture of Jesus. He says, here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. Some of us need to hear that promise today. To be encouraged to take heart. Because God is for you. Before, during, and after all struggles, all through the tough times that we face, He is here. God is here and He's willing and He's ready and He's able to forgive. He's able to comfort. He's able to care for. He's able to redeem anything that this life has to throw at us. If. If. You are willing to make yourself and your life available to Him. we wrap up, I want to ask you, offer you, if you are ready this morning, to surrender your life, the good, the bad, the ugly, if you're willing to surrender it to Christ, to commit to living by faith in relationship with Him, regardless of the circumstances that you find yourself in. If you're willing to commit to making connection with God on a daily basis a priority in your life. If you're ready to commit to making church a regular part of your routine. If you're ready to commit to engaging with the church through getting involved with small groups. If you're ready to commit to serving God by loving and caring for others. Then I invite you just to do some business with God this morning. In a moment, we will be taking communion together. And the ushers will be serving you. They'll be passing trays, and on that tray, there'll be a little piece of bread and a cup of juice. The bread, it represents Christ's body that the Bible says was broken so that we could be whole. The cup, it holds the, the juice, which represents His blood. His life that was poured out so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be restored into relationship with Him. I invite you this morning to take that bread and to take that cup. And as you hold it, just respond to whatever God may be speaking in your life. Don't commit to things because I've asked you to commit to things. Commit to them because you feel the the nudging of the Spirit of God calling you. Because He desires to walk in relationship with you. He wants you to know His presence when you're going through the difficult times. He wants you to be secured of your eternity with Him.
after the communion is served, the band is going to come out and Justin's going to sing a song to us. And I want you, as you listen to that song, just to hold that communion and, as I said, do some connecting in business with God. When you are ready, on your own, eat that bread and drink the cup. If you're not prepared to make that commitment this morning or for whatever reason would prefer not to take communion, I invite you when the tray comes, just go ahead and pass it to the person next to you and just enjoy this moment in the presence of God. Will you join me in prayer? God, as we uh, look at the issues of life, God, which can be so overwhelming, God, as I think about the people who are losing their homes, who have lost their jobs, who are dealing with dying loved ones, whose parents are divorcing, people whose hearts are breaking. God, would you come and bring comfort to them this morning? Would you stir their faith? Would you encourage them? Would you allow them to hear and to know that the promises that you've made in your word are for them? Would you give them faith just to reach out to you today and feel your embrace, God, even as the prodigal Move towards his father. His father came running to him. I pray that, God, we would all see you running towards us this morning as we share in communion and remembering the sacrifice that you made for us, the love that you demonstrated. God, we submit, we yield, we surrender to your plan. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.